This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. Well, it's December 21st, 2012. We're still here breathing, so let's talk some football. It's week 16 of one-on-one's NFL Friday. Kenny Ducey, Nolan Silbernagel with you here uh, over this holiday break. And, well, I, you know what? Do you have anything you regret that you did last night or yesterday? You know, you thought the world was going to end today? No, nothing regrettable. Just hung out with some friends, waited till midnight happened, and then... Uh... You know, that was pretty much it. Got ready for work the next day. Uh, actually, actually, I was surprised because it, at 7 p.m. Eastern time, that that was when December 21st had happened because, you know, international dateline. But everyone, of course, forgets about that and assumes that it's, you know, running on Eastern Standard Time. Well, the Mayans were in Eastern time. Right, but, I mean, the the uh, correct, uh, what I've heard was 6.11 a.m. was supposed to be the... Uh, the time, mm-hmm. and then you heard something different, and I, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm excited this week because there are a lot of great games coming up. But Thursday Night Football, it's gone. It's gone for the season. We uh, we would be talking about that right now. Been but how about while. Saturday Night Football? Falcons and Lions. I'm pumped for that one. That's an intriguing match. And you... watching football on Saturday night. Yeah. It's better than I that. Mean, ever since college football has gone out, you know, you ha- what are you supposed to do with your Saturdays? But I, I do like that matchup. I, I do enjoy the Lions. I think they're a fun team to watch, Calvin Johnson, Matt Stafford. But I, I think the Falcons, just how they've been doing this whole year, and this has been a really disappointing season for the Lions especially. I, I think it might be a little one-sided, but it's, it doesn't hurt to watch football on Saturday night. Absolutely not, and, and a game like that that, honestly, Matt Stafford think he's going to have a bounce-back game. We'll see what happens. Another team looking for a bounce-back game, the New York Jets. Things did not go very well for them last week. And as always, here to talk New York Jets, our Jets beat reporter, Joe Vidiello. It seems like the Jets managed to do something new each week. This time, they managed to anger two quarterbacks with only one move, benching Mark Sanchez in favor of third stringer Greg McElroy. This, of course, coming after the abomination of a game that Sanchez played on Monday night. He had five turnovers, low-lighted by a muff snap, down four on the Titans' 25-yard line with under a minute to go in the game, sealing the Jets' fate of missing the playoffs. Wanting his shot, backup Tim Tebow was very disappointed at the change. Rex had a puzzling response as to why he chose McElroy. Tim can play, you know, uh, quarterback, do our traditional things, uh, but to me, I was just, I, I just kind of made a decision that, um, in, in, in my gut, I feel that the best thing for a football team is for Greg to be our, our quarterback now, and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's how I felt about it. Um, you know, I, I like the way Greg finished that game, obviously, in Arizona, and I like what he does in the practice field. And and uh, so that was why I made that decision. There have been reports that the Jets are planning on trading Sanchez in the offseason and parting ways with Tebow as well. Honestly, I don't see any team other than the Jets that would be dumb enough to take him 
especially with a big contract. Anyway, getting to this week's quote-unquote game, the Jets host Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Rivers has 47 turnovers since the start of last season, second only to, you guessed it, Mark Sanchez. Look for the Jets to force him into some more, costing themselves a higher draft pick. My prediction? Jets 17, Chargers 16, covering the... I'm Joe Vidiello, WFUV Sports. All right, and that was Joe. Thanks a lot for that one. And wow, I, I mean, he—he he, has—he said game, and I did not like his tone there because this game coming up against the Chargers, two quarterbacks that have had disappointing seasons. Uh, well, sorry, Sanchez had a disappointing season, but he's not starting anymore. Yeah. It's McElroy and possibly the, the start of a new era, but interesting that Tebow not out there against the Chargers. Nonetheless, I'd still call this one a game. I mean, there are still lots of people with things to prove. Braylon Edwards wants a spot on the roster next year. Uh, you know, Ryan Matthews out for the season, so now you know there's a whole running back controversy there. I think that there are still reasons to play this game, obviously, but... Uh, not nearly the meaning that it would have had if the Jets won. Yeah, and, and thinking back to that Monday night game, it for all the criticism the Jets and Mark Sanchez have got uh, got from that game, they lost fourteen to ten. I mean, they were one score away from somehow winning that game and still being right in that playoff and, and, conversation. And we also forget about the the touchdown pass that Jeff Cumberland dropped. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that di- the diving attempt there, and if that ball's caught, then that's a tie game. Yeah, and it just some things are just completely overlooked uh, with the hype of everything. But like you said, there is definitely still some things to play for. Obviously, it's disappointing for Jets fans that you know the season's over basically. But uh, something I'm looking at is uh, Sean Green, 951 rushing yards so far in the season. I mean, a thousand yard rushing season that's a pretty big accomplishment that'd be nice for him to get this week well I, I think he uh, he'll inevitably get it unless he gets hurt in, in these next two weeks but it really it's kind of you know a, a whatever accomplishment for the Jets and Sean Green because clearly he has not been the running back the Jets have needed or expected um nonetheless I mean, has still had rushing. some has still had has still had some good games yeah. clearly from the 1000 yard mark but i mean you know if you're a ground and pound team you'll want your number one back to first of all take charge uh of the running back position at Bilal Powell the second year uh, the second-year running back out of Louisville who was hurt last year. He stepped in and took a lot of carries away from Sean Green, and that would have that would not have happened if Sean Green had a good season. Nonetheless, 1,000 yards, that is a good accomplishment and uh, maybe earns him some playing time next year and mm-hmm. a lot of questions to be asked about next year, Nolan. Oh, you got uh, the rumors, the rumor mill t- turning, and uh, all season the Jets have just kept all this under wraps, which really you have to applaud them for. I mean... First of all, them for? first of absolutely. First of all, Rex Ryan, it's it's a miracle he won any games with this roster. I mean, more than four. That is true. You have I, to. I'm, it is a bad roster. I, now, yeah. what I'm it's not saying, I, I'm applauding them because how you've looked at their press conference, you've heard their press conferences all year, and nothing except for this week when Tebow clearly is a frustrating tone to his voice. Nothing wrong was said. No, no you know, except for that one comment which you know everybody thought was a setup about the Tebow wasn't good I mean everyone look we just gotta stick forward we gotta stick to it keep playing our football things are looking up you know a lot of a lot of optimism 
everyone was saying the right things. You have, I mean, how can you not applaud them for that? A team in this and these shambles that with means all it these translates people, to wins. Huh? It doesn't matter. They they needed to still win. It doesn't matter what they were saying. I didn't say that I was applauding them for their play. I was just simply saying that they've done a good job keeping all of, of this controversy under wraps. I mean, they bring them the most popular quarterback in in football, almost, in Tim Tebow, coming into this season. They bring him in. They they stir up this controversy. Their team is in, you know, they, their best players are hurt. They're not playing well. Their, their quarterback's allergic to the football. And yet, <laughs> what do you hear? You don't hear anything negative. You hear everything you know, everything is, is optimistic and positive, and you have to at least applaud them for not speaking out and, and really ruining what was already ruined on this team, which would have been How can you ruin uh, something that's already image. ruined? Well, I mean, I mean you, you know we're in the media. You know we want to hear these guys snap. You want to hear Tebow Some say. Some of them snap. You want to hear Sam. Who snapped? Um, Bart Scott yelling at the media. We're not talking to the media. Everyone get exactly. out. Having, yeah. Because because they don't want any bad press. Because they know they are bad press. What how, what has said, been said except for that literally that one, and that's the reason that and I, I want to get off this topic because there's football to talk about. But the reason that one Tebow comment was so huge was because the only thing that was ever said that season that was negative that came from a player's mouth. And we remember the off season there were people. You know, there was a big controversy. Rex lost control of the locker room. Rex McElroy's coming out saying all these things. And and all of a sudden, apparently, you have to see, you have to think Rex Ryan had control of the locker room because nothing except for that one comment was said bad about this football team. And I, and I was simply all I was saying, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you explode. Now, there's the there's the Vic thing, which will we have a special guest, uh, Kevin Burkhart, play, Cowboys play by play man. And I have a, a funny question for him uh, when we finally get him on. But there's the Vic thing, and you know, does Vic want to go? To the Jets, and did the Jets want Michael Vick and Rex Ryan laughed it off? And you, I well, mean, you never know with the Jets. You well, never you, you know. do never. They, know. they laughed off the Tim Tebow stuff last off season too. I mean, you, you, you never know, but but um, as it stands right now, who's first of all, who's going to want Mark Sanchez for that money? And I, and I think that people might take an interest bringing Sanchez in to compete for the quarterback job, not as a starter. But simply to compete for a starting job, a team that you know maybe not has, doesn't have a clear cut one. But I mean, for who no one's got to pay eight million dollars. So you really, if you're the Jets, you have to eat a lot of money. And this is a team that like they restructure contracts just to save two hundred and fifty thousand dollars with with linemen. So this is a team that likes to be stingy with their money. They don't like, especially they're over the cap. They don't like to to spend you know all this. And now they're gonna. It looks like if they want to trade Sanchez, they're gonna have to eat all this money. Uh, this eight million guaranteed to get rid of him, and then uh, you know also the the news with parting ways with Tebow. So there's there's a lot of things to be looked at after the season ends. But I mean they still have two games to play. Yeah, you've been talking talking a lot. I think um, about the money issue definitely. I think that's what's going to be the thing that holds up these trades. Because I mean when you look at Mark Sanchez, I mean he went to two AFC championship games, you know all all that stuff. But he needs to. Um, but it's the money issue. It's not so much his play, I don't feel like. It's just the money uh, of his contract that maybe makes it seem like the Jets are going to be stuck with him. Now, here's uh, this is probably the last time that I'll address the Mark Sanchez situation at WFUV. So this is, this is, yeah, this is big. I have a, a closing statement, if you will. So, so Sanchez, two years ago, two AFC championship games. This guy, he's got a good arm. 
He hasn't, you know, he's doing what he has to, doing his job. Yeah. He's trending upward. He's looking promising. You know, he's not looking like a, a prodigy, like Peyton Manning, no. like Andrew Luck. Serviceable. serviceable. He is n- not even serviceable. He's making plays in the. Look, people, he's a serviceable pe- people, quarterback. people will he say well. he didn't yeah. do anything. People will say he was serviceable in the playoffs, and you forget the 80 yard passes to Braylon Edwards he threw, the. You know, the, the to beat the Colts and get to the second AFC Championship game, had the lead to drive down the field, thanks in part to an Antonio Cromartie return, but still two big passes to the sidelines. So, look, I mean, the guy, he wasn't, again, a star, but he made plays, and it looked like this guy could really be uh, a quarterback who was going to be the quarterback for years to come for the New York Jets. He looked like a promising youngster. Again, maybe one day a top-10 quarterback. I'm not saying a, an elite quarterback by any means. Then, as a 20 four-year-old they hand him the offense in his third year in the NFL and you look back at maybe the, some of the great quarterbacks Eli Manning he, he after his third year he stunk yeah, he, he was terrible yeah, of course so and Aaron Rodgers okay he was on the bench in Green Bay for a while so to, for for a 24-year-old I'm, I'm speechless here for a 24-year-old who who clearly was not a stud a star a guy who's maybe if you progress him and you keep Con, you know, progressively giving him more to handle will succeed. That's a guy. You know, he's gonna one day be a good thing for your offense. But no, they they hand him the offense at twenty four. They give him. They let go of LT, and then they say Sean Green is gonna be the promising running back that we look to for all the carries. We think that one run against San Diego two years ago that was <laughs> enough for us to say this guy's the guy. Then they bring in McKnight, and that's a project, and he's a speedster, and maybe a couple of years down the road he helps out Sanchez and overtakes that LT role. Okay, they do that. They also draft Powell, and he didn't. He was injured that whole year. And they keep a right tackle that was a turnstile. They have yeah, they have three Pro Bowl three Pro Bowl linemen, but two of the linemen were not very good at all. So really, a battered offensive line of sorts. They let the veterans go. They let Tom. Uh, they let Tony Richardson go. They let LT go. They let Thomas Jones go way back then. So this is Sanchez's offense, yeah. and he's 24 yeah. years old. And this guy has not shown that he can truly handle a, a, a large passing load and a big offense. Then they do that, and they and everyone's surprised. So that, you're saying he hasn't shown, even though you were just saying he did like great in those. He was showing that runs. he could one day, but not the next year. No way. Look at the, look at that second playoff. He was making plays, but the guy, you, would you say after that second AFC Championship game against the Steelers, that this guy was completely ready to throw forty passes a game and take over this offense? No, of course not. Exactly. But that, but I also didn't say he was like doing as well as you were just saying before. He was. I mean, again, he wasn't. He wasn't the <laughs> the top option on this team, but he was trending. He was progressing, and it looked like if they had a plan for him. He would be turned out to be pretty. So you good. think that was the demise of Mark this was Sanchez? The, absolutely, this was the turning point between that Steelers game and the first game of of last year because they let all their veterans go and they they expected Mark Sanchez as a 24 year old and he's a very and and it's not a good it's not a good uh not not a good trait to have in any quarterback but he's a he's a fragile guy he's a very fragile personality so he gets battered confidence wise very easily. So they give him, you know, the reins at 24 years old. It doesn't turn out the way they think. And, you know, you, you, again, it's not going to. It, it's based on what you've seen. Um, if you just completely throw everything at him. 
And then after that season, then they, okay, Mark, you're a guy, here's an extension. They give him some confidence, and then they bring in the most popular quarterback in the NFL at that time, calling off an AFC Championship game, and Tim Tebow, just to look over his shoulder. I mean, that's just, you just traded traded yourself into a terrible season. that's, that's what I think was the demise of Mark Sanchez. I mean, the Jets really crumbled down to the last few games last year. I mean, they were... They had a good shot of going to the playoffs again. It wasn't really till the end that things really fell apart with Antonio Holmes and the whole offense, and everything was just, you know, in shambles at the end of last year. So, but they, it was at the end of last year. The Jets were still considered a good team for a good part of last season. Well, the last year, but, Sanchez wasn't good though. That's what I'm saying. Is that? But but he was. But the Jets were still winning. He was that. They make the guy. playoffs. Yeah, because of what happened late in the year. I'm saying for most of last year, the Jets were considered a playoff team. I wouldn't say and that. I, I absolutely think they were. Absolutely. I mean, they still had a chance to make the playoffs up until the last game, even with everything that had been going on. I think Tim Tebow coming to New York was the first and last thing that just axed Mark Sanchez and... When they got Tebow, Sanchez pretty much, like, he got his ticket out of town because, like you said, he's a fragile guy. He has, I'm looking at it, he has 17 interceptions this year, so many more fumbles, and it, I think it was all because he knew, like you said, he was playing with Tim Tebow behind his back, but now it's now it's McElroy. Yeah, it, and that, and again, that's how they gonna they ruined it. they ruined Tebow and they ruined Mark Sanchez yeah. in one in one trade, which was which is pretty comical. And I mean, how many times did you see Sanchez throw two very good balls? Man, this guy maybe he's finally getting it. Look at these great passes. Yeah. Bring in Tebow, completely ruin all the momentum. It's just it was it was puzzling the way they handled him, and no one clearly wanted him. And I feel worse for Tebow than uh, Sanchez. In this situation, I definitely feel like Tebow was lied to. I definitely feel like oh, I, I mean, Te- he wasn't, Tebow was underplayed. But this, this all comes down to not if it's not Woody Johnson, it's Tannenbaum. But clearly, Woody Johnson wanted the headline with Tebow, and he wanted all the publicity. And well, Tebow, well, he got it. So good. And and, go. and that's just a, it's just not good ownership on his part. And and he's got to something's got to change in that attitude with Woody Johnson. Do you know what Tebow's passing stats are? He's six of eight. Right. Six, he's but, thrown eight passes. And how many year. yards? For 39 yards. <laughs> exactly. I know. That's but nothing, it, though, because he throws short passes, and it's easy to complete short passes. Didn't they promise him, like, 20 to 25 snaps a no, game? No, the, the, it, it, was, it was 1 to 20 snaps per game, and I think the most he got was, like, 8, and that was in his last game. Yeah, so, that, and that's it. Uh, it it's clearly, and he has 32 it, rushes. Yeah, a, a, ter- a terrible scenario there, but... Anyway, that was kind of my ode to Sanchez, and I think he goes somewhere else. And if he gets, so you a, think a he's shot, able to get traded somehow? If he, I, well, I mean, he's going to go somewhere else inevitably, whether it's traded or he's released after this year or, or next year, rather, it, somewhat. But he's going to go somewhere else, and he's going to. I think he's going to not do great, but he'll do well somewhere else. He'll certainly not look like this. Uh, it, the bright lights in New York City were not for Mark Sanchez. That's for that's for sure, and it looks like he's gone uh, after this year. Although it's going to be tough to trade him. Especially with all that money, it's be really tough to trade him. Yeah, because he's bad and he's owed a lot of money. So, well, again, you look at a guy who's who's twenty six years old and won and went to two AFC Championship games. Someone's going to take a flyer. It's all about what you've done for me recently, man. Someone's going to take a flyer for one million dollars. You can't say there won't. I mean, there's not a GM in this league who, who sees him. And if the Jets are willing to eat seven or seven and a half million dollars at eight, then they're they're going to take him. All right, so t- t- we'll st- t- stick away from this subject for a sec. The Jets and the Chargers this week. Two teams, they're out of it. 
Phillip Rivers having an awful season. They don't have their starting running back in uh, in Ryan Matthews. In the back, both of the both of our producer and engineer taking the Jets. Who you got? I'm going to say the Jets too. Uh, they always play San Diego well, um, and like I said, they were very close to somehow beating the Titans on Monday night. And you know that makes a difference between seven seven six and eight being being in the playoff hunt. So I, I do think the Jets will you know get come away with the win, but it, it won't. You know, unfortunately, it won't really mean anything. Well, the, the somehow in that was the defense. The defense really was the, the the strength of the Jets, and it has been for a while. They have a great defense, and if they can just put some points on the board, which I think they will with Greg McElroy, then they can win, and I pick the Jets as well. So everyone, surprisingly, going with the Jets, except our Mike Watts going with San Diego. So that's uh, that's an interesting pick there. I mean, not really interesting given what the Jets have done. All right, enough of that. That's that's depressing. Let's talk about another. It's, it's, de- another it's an upsetting. It's an upsetting story. Another Absolutely. depressing team, I guess, at the moment, but a team still with a playoff shot. And uh, I think about this time, it's time to go to Eric Malo. Flashback to 1996. Gas was a buck twenty-two a gallon. Dolly the Sheep was born, and the Giants were shut out by the Eagles. 16 years later, gas is over $4 a gallon, the world might end, and the Giants dropped another goose egg, this time to the Atlanta Falcons in a 34-0 blowout. Eli Manning threw two horrid interceptions, and the defense had more holes in it than a slice of Swiss cheese. One week, it's 52 points, the next, a donut hole. After sitting comfortably atop the NFC East a month and a half ago, the Giants face elimination Week 16 if they don't win. They head down the turnpike to Baltimore, and the G-Men won't win if Eli Manning puts on another subpar performance, as head coach Tom Coughlin knows. Eli would be the first one to comment on that. He doesn't need me to say that. Uh, we're, we're hoping that everyone plays better and with more consistency, and we thought that was a big theme last week, and of course it didn't wasn't accomplished. The Ravens won't make it easy, as Joe Flacco, Ray Rice, and Torrey Smith have all taken strides since leading their team to the AFC Championship game last season. Not to mention, Ray Lewis is expected to be back this week for Baltimore. Good luck, Giants. I ask myself the same question every week. What do the Giants have to do to win? It just all comes down to Eli. The New Orleans native is the team's catalyst, and when he doesn't play well, no one does. We've seen him step up before, and they need him now more than ever. It's also time for the pass rush to wake up, because they've been asleep since October. It'll be a challenge for the G-Men, but I think their inconsistency will get the best of them this week. My prediction, Ravens 31, Giants 16. They've proved me wrong before, but they just seem too inconsistent to make it work in 2012. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Malo, WFUV Sports. And that is Eric Malo, our Giants beat reporter, and he mentions Eli and the uh, the Akeem Nicks injury, the Mario Manningham trade, or, or, or excuse me, they didn't re-sign him mm-hmm. over the offseason. So much uh, that's affecting him. Look at the injury report this week. And Ahmad Bradshaw, David Boss, their uh, their center there, uh, Chris Snee, Prince of Mukamara, Kenny Phillips, Hakeem Nix, they're all working out in practice. Uh, so maybe they get those guys back. But you look at their secondary, Phillips probably isn't going to be starting. 
and the Ravens. Yeah, Flacco, not the best, but good at home, as Very you like to say. Very and probably will pick apart this secondary. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough game for the Giants. A lot of people are saying, oh, the Ravens, um, they're coming in three-game losing streak. But the Giants are coming off something, and I want I want to find this out. I want to know if a team has ever put up over 50 points one week and then the very next week pitch a shutout you know, I, I, and get zero points. I really want to know if that's possible. But obviously it's possible for this Giants team that's just so inconsistent. And you can look at them and say, oh, well, the Giants are due. They had a good game. The whole season they have a good game, bad game, good game, bad game. But that's really risky to rely on. Also, the Ravens, they've lost three, they've lost three in a row. They're getting uh, Ray Lewis back. He might be able to jump this, um, get this defense going. He might be able to pump up this team, pump up that home crowd. I think it's going to be a really tough game for the Giants to come away with with a win. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, there's that's what that's what the rumor is is that Ray Lewis will come back, and if it is true, then certainly the going to be bumping. Certainly going to be uh, a, t- a tough defensive matchup. And you look at the Falcons; they weren't that tough of a defensive matchup. Yeah, I mean, they have a, a couple good corners uh, over there, but still, I, I mean, what does this say about the New York Giants that they're fighting for a playoff spot? That they know the Cowboys and the Redskins are breathing down their back. They're, they're not breathing they, down their back. They're like. Breathing on well, their well, face. Well, like, now they the are, but at, but at the right moment, there, last though. week, last week they were like they mm-hmm. were inching up to that spot. The Redskins, they don't hold the tie break. They know they need to win this game. What do the half Falcons have in it? Well, you know they're they were almost on. They almost went undefeated this year. They've looked great, and really, okay, you guys knocked us out last year in the playoffs. So you know what? Yeah, we're gonna get up for this game because we want revenge, whatever that means. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, because we're going to the playoffs, we're probably going to get home field advantage. So the Giants had so much more to play for in this game, and what happens? They get blown out. Blown so what out. does that say about your team when you can't put up a, a single point yeah. when you're in the face of potential elimination from the playoffs? And this is also, keep in mind, every Giants fan in the middle of the season, they're saying, all right, well, all of this losing, that's fine. We're going to win out. We're going to win the last four games just like last year. Go to the Super Bowl, win it all. Now you might, you're, the, Giant might even, the Giants might not even make the playoffs at this point. Yeah, it wasn't potential elimination last Sunday, but, I mean, it, it was definitely it – and it wasn't a must win either. It was – it just How is that not a must win? Because now these next two weeks are must wins. If the Giants win these next but, two but, games, but, they're in. But they they're don't want. But they don't want to be in this spot. Is my point? Is they didn't want to be tied for the lead. They wanted to keep the lead. They wanted to keep a winning. A must win means your season's over if you lose that. Well, game. you know their what? We had. Not we were talking about must wins back in week three and week four with the Giants. So uh, that does not. That's not the right. Well, definition. I wasn't here for that. I would have corrected you guys back then. Listen, I'm telling you, the Giants, their season's not over by any stretch of the imagination, but this is just what the Giants do. They get off to a good start, or they don't get off to a good start, then they get hot for four weeks, and then they cool off, but it seems like the Giants and Eli Manning, they always just make that late season run, and but they they're just not. hit stride for the play. Last year, they won, um, they won their last two games to go into the playoffs. It was the same exact scenario. They, I, I they had it. two games. They were seven and seven. They won three of their last four. Yeah, they were seven and seven, and they had to win their last two games. They got in at nine and seven, and they just went on a tear. If the Giants can take down the Ravens and then take down their hated rivals in the Eagles next week to just make the playoffs, then they'll be then they'll be right back in the discussion with uh, they'll be the Giants of. 
who beat the 49ers and beat the Packers, not the Giants who lost to the Eagles earlier in the week or got shut out by the Falcons. But if you think the Eagles are going to lay down for the Giants, then you're completely of wrong. Of course not. They're, of course they're and that's, not. And that's going to be a tough matchup. And look, I mean, Nick Foles is, is certainly not one of the premier quarterbacks in the league, but he's not done terribly either. You get McCoy back. You don't know what can happen in that last game. Especially, you know, any quarterback could do well against this Giants secondary. Now, it looks like Stevie Brown this week. He's probably going to be playing ahead of Kenny Phillips uh, at strong safety because they want to work Phillips back. So, uh, again, the Baltimore Ravens could have a, an easy time passing the football if they want to. Um, or if they want to go with Ray Rice, then that's yeah. going to be a different story. And you got Pierre Paul uh, for the Giants back practicing. So. Really, there are a couple ways to attack this Giants team. Passing is probably the best option, although you do have one of the best running backs in the league. And on the Giants side, well, you know, you get Ray Lewis back. I mean, you're going to have to throw the ball because I have no confidence in a rookie running back in Week 16 who just who did nothing at 55 yards against the Falcons when given the yeah. complete load of the carries. Look, he's a speed back. I get that. He's a very he's talented, very talented. Did well against New Orleans. The great again a hundred a hundred rushing yards a hundred rushing yards that's it that's not great that's a hundred rushing yards for a rookie which is good and he had a and lot of receiving pun, yards two hundred kickoff return yards receiving right yeah. and the kickoff returns are completely different than rushing I'm, not, I'm just saying he had a great so, game. so yeah he had a great game yeah. not a great rushing game he had a good rushing game good but I don't think a hundred yards tells me that you're ready to to carry a team into the playoffs, which is why you need to throw the ball here. And I don't know if you can really exactly. you can really trust any sort of running game in this game, nah, especially and, and, if Ahmad Bradshaw's out again. He's questionable. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what Eric was saying in his report. I mean, this team really does. You know, they they will go as far as Eli Manning. And as as Eric was saying, if Eli has another two picks early in the game that lead directly to fourteen points. I mean, that's going to just take the air out of this team. It's going to be pretty deflating for them to to see, like, the guy that has to step up, that has stepped up in the past. I mean, if he doesn't have a really quality game, you know, you're right. You can't rely on the running backs. They have to complement. And, and here's an interesting stat. The Giants last week, they missed 18 tackles. And that's not against a good rushing team. You know, Michael Turner, I hate Michael Turner. Michael Turner one of my, had, what, 150 one of my, one of my, yards? One of my least favorite he, he running backs in the league. carved up the Giants Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. And then you look at um, this week with Ray Rice. I, I he, he, Yeah, I mean, we had Rodgers, too, there. But look at Ray Rice. And if you miss tackles against Ray Rice, he is going to burn you. He's going to mm-hmm. go to the house for a 70-yard touchdown. So you need to wrap up Ray Rice. And, again, if you're missing that many tackles, that's not going to happen, and and winning is not going to happen. So speaking of winning, did the Giants win this game? I mean, I really hope they do. I really want them to. But I I would not be surprised if they lose. I think they're going to lose, but I'm absolutely going to be watching the game. I'm going to be hoping for them to win, but I think the Ravens might have this one. All right, Julian and Nick in the back both taking the Giants. Mike Watts on the road in Cleveland. Uh, he's, he's back home, so happy holidays, Mike. <laughs> he takes the Giants, and I picked the Giants last week, and they they disappointed me so much. So I'm going to pick the Ravens to win this one. The NFC East playoff picture is going to get that much more interesting. So now to move along here, we just talked about the Giants and, well, you know, New York sports, you might know this voice. He's Kevin Burkhart. He's the play-by-play man for the Dallas Cowboys. He's also working on the New York Mets broadcast. Kevin, how's Big D stacking up to New York City? 
<laughs> it's uh, it's good, fellas. You know, it's uh, as you know, the playoff chase is on. You know, I mean, it's it's awesome. Two weeks to go, and you get a three-way tie atop the NFC East, and uh, the Cowboys have the Saints, and maybe there's about 85 points scored in that game this week. <laughs> so it should be fun. It should be. And you mentioned that three-way tie. The Giants, well, they've struggled of late to get into that tie. Meanwhile, the Cowboys and Redskins playing their way uh, up there. So who has? I mean, obviously they have more momentum here, but who? Do you, uh, how did you see the Giants stacking up against these other teams? I can't figure the Giants out. I mean, I, you know, you see them some games like against the Niners and against the Packers, and you know they have been absolutely dominant. They look like the Super Bowl team, and uh, they look you know tremendous. And, and then you know you get weeks like last week or weeks in Cincinnati where they just get uh, their butts handed to them and you can't figure it out. I don't know what to make of the Giants. I do know that I, I still trust them in the clutch situation, especially with Eli, as good as he is. Uh, you know, but right now the Cowboys and Redskins are certainly hotter. I mean, the Cowboys have won three in a row. They've completely turned their season around, despite the fact they are battered and bruised on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I, I think the Redskins might be even hotter than them. You know, the Redskins have been ultra impressive, especially winning without. RG3. Um, so it, it's it's pretty wild right now. I mean, I, I think schedule-wise, the Giants have the best uh, options here. I mean, they've got a Baltimore team who's really, really struggling, and then Philly, who looks like they've packed it in. You know, the Redskins have Philly this week, and then the all-important uh, final week against the Cowboys. So, um, you know, Dallas, I think, you know, before getting into that Redskins game, the Saints, even though their defense is absolutely deplorable, I think this is a tough game this week because they've got Breeze and they can score. You mentioned before about um, the Giants have probably the easiest road because, you know, they have a Baltimore team that's struggling. But Baltimore at home is definitely better than Baltimore on the road, especially with uh, their quarterback in Flacco. Do you see that as a worrisome game? Like, it's definitely not a gimmick, right? Look, Baltimore at home is very good, guys. You know, I mean, they, they've had a yeah. terrific home record. Uh, they're, you know, one of the loudest places I've been to as far as doing a game. But they're in complete shambles right now. I mean, I I don't see them as a playoff team. I mean, yes, I know they're going to get in, but I, they don't look like a playoff team. I mean, their defense is a complete shell of themselves. They can't stop anybody. And, you know, they just fired Cam Cameron. Uh, Joe Flacco has been horrendous the last few weeks. They're a mess right now. They may be leading the division. They may get in the playoffs and win the division, but they don't look like a team that's ready to go to the Super Bowl. So, you know, maybe they and the Giants are fit for each other because they both have been kind of all over the map. And I I think the Giants have an advantage. Yes, you're right, though. It's a tough place to play. But, um, you know, they're kind of on the brink now. I'm curious to see if those fans turn on them at all if they get off to a bad start. Now, I want to ask about your Cowboys for a second here because Jason Garrett, he, he was sort of on the hot seat in the middle of the season. People weren't really sure if he was the right guy in Dallas and they were up and down, and now look at them. They're in the position to possibly grasp a playoff spot. How do you see him uh, fitting in this coaching role? How good a job has he done? You know, it's funny. When you win five of six, you get taken off the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think he's done a great job. I really do. I mean, I think, you know, earlier in the year he showed some of his flaws, and I, and I, still, I think, you know, finishing out games, uh, time management. But I also think it's hard when you're the coach and also calling plays – you know, I felt like he needed somebody, like a time management coach or somebody else like that. But I, I think he's really done a good job bringing this team together. You know, he really has. I mean, especially considering the light of what happened a couple of weeks ago with Josh Bryant uh, in the DUI killing his teammate Jerry Brown. He's he's kept the team together. They've had a ton of injuries. You know, I, I, I think they're hitting their stride. And I think a lot of that has to do with him. He's very organized. I think he's a, you know, a guy that, 
you know, they, they really the guys respect him. You know, Jason Witten has come out and had some extremely strong supportive comments on him. And Witten is a guy that, you know, when he talks, you listen. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So um, I think he's done a real good job. I still think there's pressure on him to make the playoffs, but I think considering where they were and now reeling off five of six and three in a row, he he gets a lot of the credit in my eyes. So, Kevin, you mentioned before all the injuries for Dallas, especially on the defensive side, and they're playing a Saints team that just put up 41 points against Tampa Bay. Uh, do you think Dallas can compete with the Saints, do, like with that high scoring, with that type of high scoring game? Absolutely, they can. I mean, you you look at the Dallas offense; it is it has gotten a lot better, and there's two reasons for that. First of all, Des Bryant has turned into one of the best players in the game. He he has found his potential. I mean, he's got 10 touchdowns this year. They've all come in second half of games. He's scored in six straight games now. And that combined with the return of DeMarco Murray, who's been back the last three games and scored each game, the running back, uh, it's changed them. And the numbers prove it because you look at their offense, the first eight games of the year, guys, they're averaging under 19 points a game. Uh, well, now games 9 through 14, they're averaging 30 points a game. Big difference, mm-hmm, definitely. And the team right after the Saints with the Cowboys, the uh, the Washington Redskins. And I want to ask you, uh, who do you think's going to start this week at quarterback? Because it look RG three is practicing. Kirk Cousins coming off a good week. Would it be wise for them to go with a, a not a hundred percent RG three? Um. You know, I, I think that's the logic because Cousins came in and won him a game against Baltimore because he played well in Cleveland, but I'm playing RG3. I mean, that's just me. He practiced. He said he's okay. You know, I, I guess he's going to wear a brace. You know, will it affect him? I don't know. And, and I understand that line of thinking. But, you know, Cousins has looked good. But what happens if the Redskins play Cousins and lose to Philly? Then what? Um you know, they, they need this game, too. So I, I, it's a hard call, and, and you feel comfortable if you had to go with Cousins, but i got to go with RG3. The guy's been amazing. And, yeah, is he going to be limited running the ball? He says no. We'll have to see. But he still has been fantastic throwing the ball. And I, I just think he and Albert Morris have been just the reason why the Redskins mm-hmm. are where they are right now. So um, mm-hmm. I'm playing him, and I think he's going to play. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a fan of RG3. I'm also a fan of Tony Romo. I'm one of the few here, I guess. Uh now, we can only hope for a quarterback matchup in Week 17 with Romo and RG3. How do you see that one playing out? Because that's going to be a really meaningful game, it looks like, in this playoff race. Who wins that matchup? Well, there's a lot of intangibles there. But I'll tell you what, I think that Romo has had maybe one of his best years. You know, And he got off to a rocky start. He had a game earlier this year where he had five interceptions against the Bears. But you know, in the last seven games for Tony Romo, he's got 13 touchdowns and three interceptions, and that's a rating of 101. Um, he's really turned around. He's got another 4,000-yard season. He's done a good job despite getting absolutely mauled at times because his offensive line has had trouble blocking people. Um, the line's gotten better. But, you know, two weeks ago against Cincinnati, you know, they came from behind and won that game. His line wasn't pretty, but if you watch the game, he got hit on about 70% of the plays. I mean, it was absurd. But he did a great yeah, job you know, running away from pressure, um, you know, making the big plays when they were there. And I think he's had a really good year. You know, I, I really think that you know, Romo is a little bit underappreciated in time as the Dallas. I really Absolutely. Do. I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, uh, Kevin, so uh, my last question is going to be, uh, I mean, who do you think comes away with this NFC East title? I mean, it's all jam-packed at the top. And then can that team who takes the East, can they make a run in the playoffs? Um, 
Boy, it's a tough question. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a really hard question. I mean, if you're, if you're asking me right now who's going to win the NFC, my gut is telling me the Redskins. It can go either way. And if the second question is, can either of them advance four in the playoffs, I don't think so. I mean, I, to me, I mean, I, I think the Niners are the best team. I mean, I, I think the Packers are certainly playing great right now. And I really like Seattle an awful lot, even though they'd have to go on the road three games, which I'm not sure they can do. I mean, look, guys, anything can happen. We, the Giants have proven that twice. Mm-hmm. You know, they get in the playoffs and they get, they get hot, so anything can happen. But as it stands today, I'm – I'm not sure that I would consider the NFC teams uh, the favorites when they when they get in the postseason. But it, hey, you know what? The fact we're in this position is pretty cool. It makes for a fun two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Now, are you thinking one and done? You know, for that NFC East title team, or you know, not even oh, not I, making I, I NFC East? Know. No, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, they're going to get a home game. I mean, you could have a, you know. Um, Seattle, Washington, Week One with a you know you're talking about two rookie quarterbacks, RG3 and Russell Wilson, which would be awesome. You now you can have a lot of interesting matchups here. Um, the one thing I'll say is this: it, it, you look at each team, they each have a positive. The Giants with Eli can never count out. You know the Cowboys have shown me in the last four or five weeks some moxie that I really haven't seen from them. You know, really in a long time. I mean, they've really won some games with guts. And, you know, for the Redskins, I just think that their offense is clicking on all cylinders right now. Their running game is so hard to stop. One thing about Washington is their secondary, I don't know how they're doing it, because I don't think their secondary is that good. But they're surviving right now, but I think there is the availability for that secondary to get exposed. Who knows? Maybe that's next week. Mm-hmm. All right, Kevin. And before we let you go, I want to know, what is a better chance of happening? Michael Vick becoming a New York Jet or the world ending just a few hours after <laughs> we speak here? Can I call it a tie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, here's here's my thing about, and I have no direct knowledge of this, but let me just give my two cents. I don't know why in the world the Jets would want to go from the guy who turns it over the second most times in the league to the guy who probably would have turned it over the most times in the league if he hadn't gotten concussed. So, um, very true. I think, very true. I think if I was the Jets, I would stay away from Michael Vick. All right, that's Kevin Burkhard, play-by-play man for the Dallas Cowboys. Kevin, thanks so much thanks for joining lot, us today. All right, Kenny, Nolan, you guys take care. Yeah, you too. All right, so great stuff from Kevin there, and really, it's going to be such an interesting race in this NFC East. And you know, he's talking about Tony Romo and RG three, and really three great quarterbacks, in my opinion, going at it. And again, the Cowboys—they have Demarco Murray, Alfred Morris on the Redskins, the Giants, David Wilson—is that, is that going to get it done? I mean, David Wilson got it done against the Saints two weeks ago. It will be interesting to see. I mean, the th- the fact that it's Dallas and Washington in the last week that they could truly be playing for the NFC East title, maybe even a spot in the playoffs. And then you got the Giants playing the Eagles that Eagles always give them headaches. You know, like that's not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. So it's going to be an intense Week 17. And, and before we move off the NFL, just just – I want to get your take on this. So the, the, apparently the Raiders, right, now they draft Terrell Pryor. It, they get, use that third round. They lose a third round pick because they get him in the supplemental draft. Mm-hmm. They draft Terrell Pryor, and now all of a sudden, since they're completely out of the playoff race and they're paying Carson Palmer all this money, 
They're going to apparently use Terrell Pryor in the red zone, and they're going to use him in uh, on third down situations just because he's a good athlete or something like that. I don't know why they're going to use him, but I think it's just pretty comical. I, I don't know what you think of this. I mean, at that point, when you're the Raiders, it's kind of like, what do you have to lose right now? I mean, maybe Pryor does do exceptionally well. Maybe he is a really good red zone threat. I mean, at Ohio State, he was a high-profile athlete. He, I mean... Players uh, on other teams really had a difficult time yeah, but, getting him down. I mean, those like type of situations, he could really do well. Yeah, and, but, th- but then why do you have him behind Matt Leinert on the depth chart? He's behind Matt Leinert. Is Matt Leinert really that much better than Terrell? I mean, you spent a third-round pick on this. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really get this. And then, uh, you know, it's week 16, and it's a little bit early, but we would like to ask for your contributions to the show. If you want to, you can tweet at WFUV Sports uh, with your MVP. You know, because Peyton Manning, he's leading the Pro Bowl votes, and maybe it's a little early. It's week 16 only. Uh, but I, I'm wondering, you know, who's. Because Adrian Peterson, not only comeback player of the year, possible MVP. You know, I, I don't know. Peyton, Man- I, I Peyton know. Manning's has got a good, good shot, can, too. Can you get MVP and comeback player of the year in the same, oh, in the same you season? Yeah, you can. Yeah. You, you don't divvy it up. I mean, wh- give... well, why would they discriminate against they're, someone they're, who's. They're not, but maybe Peyton gets comeback player and. Peterson gets MVP. Or, the other way around. Or the other way around. Peyton, Peyton, you have to come off, and there's actually a qualification in this, so you have to come off an injury to, to win comeback yeah, player his, of the year. His um, I, I guess you're right. I, Absolutely. But, but Peterson's, Peterson's injury was was just incredible because the ACL is... Now I know his, Are you not his, considering his, Peyton Manning a comeback player? Because he, we've already... He's been a he great quarterback. He missed all of last year. But an ACL is different than a neck injury. He and, was he was gone. He got chased right, out of Indianapolis. Right. But I mean, his Adrian Peterson wasn't even supposed to be back until halfway through the year. He Who wasn't knew if Payne could be, even throw it over twenty it's yards? An, it's an interesting conversation, but I I think Adrian Peterson definitely gets comeback player of the year I, I, over Peyton Manning, and and he could get MVP too. I, I don't know. So I, you're, I, well, you're not I for want to know everyone it? else's take. Tweet at WFUV Sports. We'd love to know. I, I'm. How can you say that Peter had, Manning's had a better comeback season than Peterson? Because he didn't even play last year. Peter didn't he play last year. He got chased out of the Colts organization. But this and year, now he's okay. Both players are qualified, but this year, yeah. right? This year, you're telling me but that Manning's had a better season than Peterson. It's also about the struggle. Where you Adrian come Peterson from. tore his ACL. What do you mean? I, I'm saying it's struggle. amazing. They're both unbelievable. It is amazing. Stories. But Peterson's had a better 2012. He's possibly able to break the rushing record. He's had a better 2012 than Manning has, even though Manning's been great. It's an interesting conversation. Does it matter that the Broncos are better than the Vikings? Like significantly better? Well, I, I in my, it never does in my opinion. But, uh, but I mean, clearly some people are going to say that there's only so much a running back can do. All right, we're gonna move on here, and uh, this is a pretty big week. It's championship week, but it's it's coming early because we're talking about this subject. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week? Plus, start them or sit them to help you win your league. And in the WFUV Fantasy League, Julian Adienza, our producer, in the championship game against who, Nolan? This guy, Stafford Loans, owned by Mr. Kenny Ducey. The championship matchup, and out of all 14 participants, it is, is Julian and I from NFL Friday, believe it or not, you guys get to witness this. Uh, 
Uh, well, I guess you don't really like to witness it, but you'll get to hear who wins. I won't be on the show to uh, to gloat about my victory, but maybe Steve Stiminari can do it for me, our fantasy guy. Steve, calling in from Brooklyn. How you doing today? What's going on, guys? Hey, Steve, how you doing? Uh, well, I'm sure you, I'm sure you are probably hurting uh, from that Jets loss, but we won't talk any more about that, Steve. I want to ask first and foremost. If Kirk Cousins starts over RG3, does he warrant a position in my second quarterback slot this week? Well, I think if Kirk Cousins does start this week, he should warrant consideration for a second quarterback slot, and that may be due to a process of elimination. The Redskins do have a good matchup in Philadelphia this week, but the bottom line is other guys like Joe Flacco and Andy Dalton, who I'll get into in a little bit, you should probably have on your bench, and and I would put in Kirk Cousins instead. So. Yes, Kirk Cousins is definitely a viable option this week if he does start, but it's looking like RB3 will get the nod. All right, so outside of that, who are your stardoms at quarterback? Well, this week you got to get Andrew Luck in your lineup. He has a good matchup against the Chiefs, who have allowed 10 quarterbacks to throw multiple touchdowns against them, including six of the seven in Kansas City, which they are in this week. I like Andrew Luck all year long. I think he's going to continue his hard rookie year. Also, this time of year, you got to like Eli Manning. He had another miserable game on the road last week in Atlanta with two fantasy points, and Manning tends, though, to respond when needed, and we don't have much faith in this Ravens defense, as we have seen the last few weeks. Peyton Manning only had 14 fantasy points last week against Baltimore, but I'm sure he'll call a little brother and uh, give him a few tips or two. And then who do you have sitting this week? What should fantasy owners, you know, who should they uh, put on the bench for this week? Well, like I said, Kirk Cousins would be a viable option because some of the other quarterbacks aren't. And at this point, I would say, get staying in the Giant game, I would get Joe Flacco on my bench. despite his well, Even against that terrible secondary? Ooh, and at home? At home against the Giants? Well, give me a minute and I'll explain. <laughs> despite his fantasy production being solid of late with at least 18 points in four of his past six games, the Ravens are 0-3 in the last three games, and things are spiraling out of control with new OC, Jim Caldwell. And on top of that, Trey Smith, one of Flacco's top wide receivers, will be out. Flacco should be started in two quarterback leagues, but if it's a one quarterback league, I would check my options. All right, running. Also, oh, sorry. sorry. Continue. Continue. I would also want to sit Andy Dolan this week in Pittsburgh. He's had some great matchups of late in San Diego, Dallas, and Philly, but he failed to play at a high level with an average of 14 fantasy points during that span. I, there's a terrible matchup in Heinz Field. So I would get Dolan and Flacco on my bench. All right, now moving over to running backs here. There are a lot of interesting options for this week. Uh, First of all, I want to know who wins uh, Julian and I's uh, running back matchup. It's I have Darren McFadden and Frank Gore. He has DeMarco Murray and Adrian Peterson. That's looking very strong there. Uh, But who gets your starts and who sits? Maybe one of those guys make your list. Well, that's pretty funny. You mentioned that, you mentioned that name. Uh, I was going to say get Barry McFadden in your lineup immediately. McFadden is closing the season like the running back we hoped we would see all year long. He has back-to-back weeks of 12 fantasy points, and this week he faces a Panthers defense that has been shaky of late. Meanwhile, another guy I would start who you didn't mention is Reggie Bush. He should show the load this week with Daniel Thomas out for the year. And he had 21 carries for 104 yards two weeks ago, last week in Jacksonville, and he has quietly had at least nine fantasy points from three of his last four games. So there's definitely a lot of options at running back this week, but you seem pretty secure with McFadden and DeMarco Murray, because I also like DeMarco Murray 
was looked like the elite running back that we expected. The last three games were at least 13 fantasy points and a touchdown in each. So I like Murray. I like McFadden. A lot of good, lot of good running backs out there this week. And my question is, uh, obviously Adrian Peterson has just been on fire this week, but he is going against a tough Texans defense. Can fantasy owners expect a huge uh, – can they rely on him for those big points that he's been putting up in previous weeks? Well, I mean, it's tough because the bottom line is, you know, Minnesota is fighting for a playoff spot on top of things. They're not only, you know, they're not playing for numbers at this point. They're playing to get into the postseason. And yet the Houston Texans defense is really, really solid. So if you do have options, there are some sleepers you can look into. D'Angelo, Hall, D'Angelo Williams versus the Raiders. Sean Green against the Chargers this week. Even Vic Ballard against the Chiefs. There's a ton of options this week at running back. So, could explore your options if you don't if you're not comfortable with AP in Texas in te- you get the Texans, but come on now, it is Adrian Peterson. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, what options aren't you exploring this week at running back, Steve? Well, like I said, there's a lot of options with sleepers, but you got D'Angelo Williams, Sean Green, Vic Ballard, also David Wilson. Keep an eye on and Michael Turner. Those are a couple guys that may be even available in some of your leagues still. So take a look at that. But in terms of sitting there, there's a lot of running backs starting this week because of injuries that aren't really. Household names. So I would – Jonathan Dwyer this week is starting for Pittsburgh. Bryce Brown, once again, is starting for the Eagles. But Bryce Brown, I would get on my bench because LaShawn McCoy will be coming back this week. So – and then when I, when you go back to Jonathan Dwyer, I would get him on my bench because now with Rashad Mendenhall coming back after the one-game suspension, I think Dwyer, his, his workload will go down and Bryce Brown will go down. So I would get those guys on my bench. Also, Mark Ingram, who had his best game of the year last week against Tampa Bay with 90 yards on the ground and a touchdown, should look like a solid fantasy option, but I would get him on my bench this week at Dallas. All right, those are some pretty solid predictions right there. What other um, what matchup do you think is going to be the biggest struggle for – for wide receivers, like which wide receiver are you thinking is going to not put up the points um, that they have in the past? Well, one wide receiver specifically would probably be Sidney Rice this week against the San Francisco 49ers. He's cooled off of late with only one game with, fa- with double digits in fantasy points since week 10. So I, Sidney Rice this week against San Fran, we all know San Fran's defense, one of the best defenses in the league. I wouldn't expect a big week from Sidney Rice. And the last few weeks, like I've been saying, it's a shame that Larry Fitzgerald's wasting away in Arizona. But this week, Arizona's not playing any defense. They're playing Chicago Bears defense. So I don't see how he's going to get the ball too much there. So I would stay away from guys like Fitzgerald, Sidney Rice, even maybe Greg Jennings in Tennessee this week. So a couple of big-name wide receivers that I may stay away from this week based on some matchups. All right, and finally to finish up here, tight ends. Uh, I ask you about Vernon Davis like every week, but you know a guy who didn't have a good week, Martellus Bennett last week. I want to know if he makes your start or sit list. He gets my sit list. Ooh. Only Heath Miller and Owen Daniels have scored against Baltimore this year as tight ends, and Bennett has been hit or miss with his production all season long. So that the Braving defense obviously is no longer the same. I do expect a big game from Eli, which could mean a touchdown or two for Marcellus Bennett, but there are better options than Bennett, which I'll get into right now. And staying in the same game, you can look to Baltimore's tight end, Dennis Pitta. His last two games against the Steelers have been amazing. He had a touchdown in his four other outings against Oakland, San Diego, Washington, and Denver. 
and should remain this hot. I mean, he should remain hot this week against the Giants. So there's some options there at tight end. You could also look for Heath Miller, who's looking pretty good now with Big Ben back on the center. But there's some tight ends available out there. And then in terms of sleepers and tight ends, Benjamin Watson against the Broncos and Jermichael Finley against the Titans, two guys I would look out for, might, might hold in a touchdown or two. All right, and finally, I want to know what your prediction is for uh, this championship matchup we got going on here. Let me just highlight some of the players on either side. Uh, Matt Stafford, McFadden, Gore, Andre Johnson, uh, the Packers D, and Eric Decker, that's my side. He's got Tom Brady, uh, I mentioned Murray and Peterson. Uh, nothing really going on at wide receiver. Come on, Julian, how do you make the playoffs with Steve Smith and Santana Moss? Heath well, Miller, uh, Sproles, and Texans D. Who you got there? Well, both teams are pretty good there, but for me, one thing that sticks out is Tom Brady playing the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. He might put up 80 points this week. In the, that <laughs> I think we might see Ryan Mallett before then, but I want to know. I don't who, know. Who's the tends to just go for the jugular? And, well, who are you going for, though? I, I, I know you're not a betting man, but if you put money, if you were to put money on someone, who would it be? I mean, Kenny, you got a pretty solid team, and like I said, I'm really not sold on Adrian Friesen this week. And uh, I, like I said, I do like Brady, but Kenny, you got a pretty good team. And both of these have pretty good teams, so I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup in the fantasy football. Anything could happen. So, <laughs> all right, we'll see. I, I'm not going to give anyone an edge here, but good luck to the both of you. It could come down to the wire. You never you got a couple Sunday night guys. You never know. Oh, there's also a Saturday night game this week. I, that's pretty cool. All right, and now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. It's Pick'em. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. Oh, boy, this is Nolan Silvernagel's debut, not only on the show, but in Pick'em. You're going to love this, my friend. Uh, all right. So the Giants and Jets games, we already went over. You can rewind the show to get those predictions. All right, first up, Atlanta and Detroit. This one's going to be interesting. While I think Detroit has a chance, I'm going to go with Atlanta here. Yeah, I think you have to go with Atlanta, especially that dominating performance they just had against the Giants. So I'm definitely picking the Falcons as well. Julian's got the Falcons. Nick has the Falcons. Mike Watts uh, on the road also <laughs> in Cleveland. All the for way from the, Cleveland, yeah, still all, making for, his picks. For the break, he also has Atlanta. All right, moving on here, New Orleans and Dallas. It's going to be a shootout in my opinion. Dallas gets my pick, though. Can't pick against Tony Romo. Uh, I'm going with New Orleans here. Uh, as you said, it's going to be a shootout. I just don't think that Dallas Dallas has the offense to keep up with uh, what Drew Brees is going to bring to the table. Interesting, I said it's not easy to pick against Tony Romo because all he does is throw interceptions. Julian's got Dallas, Nick has Dallas, and Mike Watts, he's got New Orleans, so he's agreeing with you. All right, next game up, it's Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. It's a fight for the last AFC wild card spot, and I think that Cincinnati and Andy Dalton pull this one out. I'm going to have to agree with you, Kenny. Pittsburgh has been, it hasn't been your typical Steelers type of year. I'm going with the Bengals. Julian's got Cincy Nick. He has Pittsburgh and Mike Watts also going with the Steelers next game. It's the Sunday night game. This, this one's going to be an amazing game, in my opinion. Two teams who really need it. It's San Francisco and Seattle. Julian, he's got Seattle. Nick, San Francisco. Mike, he's going with San Francisco as well. I can't disagree with that. I gotta go Frisco. I'm gonna have to disagree. I'm gonna going on it uh, on a limb right here. I'm gonna say Seattle pulls it off. I would say it's on a limb. I mean, they have a good chance uh, in this game. They're only a two and a half point underdog too, so it'll be. Or sorry, check that. They're a one point underdog in the game. That's gonna be a good one. All right, toilet bowl time. One team's gotta win this one. Two 
pretty hurting teams. Oakland and Carolina. Ooh. And Darren McFadden is going to win me my fantasy matchup and this game. Julian switching his selection and going <laughs> to Oakland. Uh, I've got Oakland as well. No one, who do you have? Hey, give me the Panthers. Why not? Let's see what they can do. Panthers and Cam Newton. Fun to watch that guy yeah. play, but the numbers uh, not not nearly not what the Panthers either. would like. Nick has Oakland, and in the toilet bowl, Mike Watts has the Carolina Panthers. And finally, it's upset time. I my upset is gonna be. And this is an interesting one here. But, it, uh, you know what, I'm going to save it for the end. I'm going to tease everybody. All right, uh, uh, Minnesota. Julian's got Minnesota. Or, sorry, Nick has Minnesota. Julian also has Minnesota. Mike has Buffalo over Miami. One one I was considering. Who do you have? That's an upset? I mean, yeah, I guess it is. Uh, <laughs> some type of upset. I'm going to go with uh, the Cardinals over Chicago. Really? Cardinals are home. Chicago really hasn't been that impressive this year, especially as of late. So give me the Cardinals. You know, there were so many games here that I wanted to pick. I, I was going to say Minnesota, but these guys already picked Minnesota. St. Louis. I'm going with, I, I hate, I hate picking the Rams. And I hope Mac Rosenberg listens to this because he loves the Rams. I hate picking the Rams, but I'm going to pick the Rams here. For the upset, all right. Uh, that was that was a success, I would say, Nolan. Yeah, we'll and to, you know what we'll else is a success? We were, we're, right. we're, we're alive. It's December 21st, and the winter solstice is upon us, and 6 a.m. or 6.11 a.m. has mm-hmm. passed. We're in a new Mayan year. I was also told 12.21 p.m. This, well, it's one twelve. Yeah, exactly. So, so, I mean, all sorts we, of ones gone, and twos in here. we past it, so... I guess we have another year together, Kenny. That's right. I, I can't wait for it, Nolan. All right. For Nolan Silvernagel, Julian Adienza, and Nick Legerfo in the back, this was week 16 of NFL Friday. I'm Kenny Ducey. Enjoy Saturday night football. This has been One on One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.